Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the Carrier's Edge podcast. And just as I was about to start talking, I had to yawn. So that was a bit of a squeeze. Squeeze in there. <laughs> Never fails the timing. At least it wasn't a cough. So hello, everybody. I'm Mark Morell, co-founder of Carrier's Edge and joined today by... Jane Jesrawi, other co-founder. Yeah, I almost caught you off guard there when you're looking at your phone. Yeah, Sorry. I'm distracted podcasting. Yes. <laughs> well, Jane is in the middle of a crazy busy day, so we were squeezing this recording in. You just came out of two back-to-back uh, meetings. Yes. Right after we do this, we are going to record a, well, not record, we're going to deliver a live webinar with TCA about the Best Fleets program and then have other meetings after that. So it's a bit of a nutty day. Yeah, it is a nutty day. And tomorrow, my right hand is taking some vacation in Italy, so... um I want to make sure I've got enough, I've squeezed every, you know, bit of information out of her. Now, she's not just going to Italy for the day. No. She's She's leaving on a vacation for a few weeks. So I'm trying to shove in as much of, you know, trying to get everything done that involves Tiffany as possible. And then tomorrow I'm leaving the, um, I'm not going to, I'm going to an on-site visit, but there's a meeting that's happening as well at the same time. So, yeah. So I'm trying to make sure that the meeting goes well that I'm not going to be at and yeah. Well, I'm going to take advantage of all those things and we're going to talk about some of them today. Okay. So first, what are the things that you were doing today that I thought was kind of interesting? And I don't know if a lot of people do it, but you do this with your group on a regular basis. This is sort of like some kind of creative brainstorming, but it isn't really project related as I understand it. So what is this uh, thing that you do on a weekly basis with all of your team? Oh, we don't do it on a weekly basis. It's it's kind of bi-weekly because there's two aspects to it. It's um, the whole thing is creativity or creative thinking. Mm. And actually, Tiffany, I believe it was Tiffany's idea. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of put it together. So I can't take any credit for it. So what we do or what Tiffany, Tiffany and Berenice, so Berenice is uh, my creative team lead and Tiffany is my content team lead. So she's a writing, Berenice is the art So we involve everybody in content and creative. So both those two teams do this every every time because it's it's good for people who don't write to practice writing, practice using words. And it's good for people who don't draw to practice drawing. It uses different parts of your brain and it helps you when you do these kinds of things and you stretch your brain and do something that you're not good at. It really helps you develop a little bit of, uh, more confidence. It helps you think differently. So when you're looking at things through pictures, you think about things, you tend to explain things and think about things differently. And when you're using words, you you do, you, like, there are different ways to do things with words and with pictures. So doing both of them, it's, it's good. So that's why we're doing it is trying to stretch our brains, trying to come up like that helps come up with new ideas, come up with different ways of looking at the same thing, different way of explaining things. So the actual exercise that we do, we did bi-monthly. So one is a one is art and one is writing. And today we did a writing one. And they're so Tiffany and Bernie say come up with these exercises. And what we've done is uh, we had a one was um, 30 circles. And that was Berenice's. And you have to you have 30 circles and you have to draw basically on the page. You have to draw an image with the circle so you can draw a ball. So are you giving a page that has a bunch of circles on yeah. it? Yeah. 
she gave us a page with circles on it and basically said, okay, now draw, draw as many, like fill in these circles with as many things as you possibly can. So um, you draw a ball, a bunch of people drew donuts. I didn't think of a donut, but um, a globe, um, another planet like Saturn or something. So it has to have something, it has to be a round object. It's just how many different things with that shape can you think of? And we were not good. <laughs> like no one got even close to 30. Wow. It was really good because you're thinking, oh my God. And you're looking around your office and your house, you're thinking, oh, what's round? I can't think of what's around. And, um, and then you share the answers and it, it's quite, you know, it's quite funny. Like it, there's a lot of laughing in these things. Mm. And so today we had to, Tiffany found a whole bunch of objects that Aren't, aren't really made anymore. So she had things like a butter churn, a floppy disk, kerosene lantern, um, DOS. I think a DOS was the actual thing. DOS is an operating system that was from ancient, ancient times. And, um, and then you could only use a keyboard. Uh, what else was there? A phone booth? What did you have to do with these things? We had to write an advertisement for using it in current times. Oh, yes. Like try and sell it in current times. Yeah. So how would you sell it? And you could sell it for its original purpose, but you could also sell it for whatever other purpose. So mine was the floppy disk. Hmm. She had us go through kind of a little bit of a um, like pre-work where she said, okay, well, who's the audience? Who would want this? And what it, could it be used for? So then you had to pick one. You brainstormed that and then you picked one like one group of people to sell it to and then did your is like a few sentences. So mine, the floppy disk, I, uh, I eventually came up with um, housewives and the problem that it's solving is that you need coasters that you don't really care about. <laughs> so <laughs> it was funny because I came up with a painting party. Okay. So there's a lot of suburban housewives who do these painting parties and they're kind of like, grandiose paint by numbers and it's right. often a you know someone showing you how to exactly do this tree and then you follow them and so i thought that a floppy disk would be a great coaster because it's you know non-biodegradable it's you know something that it's not going to be pretty solid and it's a good kind of protective area for your next painting party with wine that's interesting. So that has nothing to do with safety training. I know. <laughs> nothing to do with driver <laughs> training at all. But I can totally see it as an exercise being really useful because you've got a group of writers and you've got a group of designers and they each do their own thing in their own ways. But for a complete course to come together and look like a cohesive product, they have to sort of be thinking about what the other is doing. You have to be writing the content with a thought towards what are the visuals going to be. And as you're doing visuals, you also have to be thinking about what are the words. You know, and each of them needs to make space for the other. So it's really a good idea, a really useful exercise to start thinking about how do we get these people thinking more along those lines, understanding the other side of it better, working together collaborating and through the process, probably coming up with some ideas that can be incorporated into courses down the road. Yeah, we have a bunch of things that we do that are, well, this one is the most unrelated to safety training, but right. they all, all the things that we do are always geared to kind of 
having a conversation outside of what we do every day. And I think that's really valuable to do in any business where you get together with people that you don't really interact with all the time and talk about something that, you know, to do with the industry, to do with your job, just practice. I mean, one of the things that I think is really good in terms of the writing and the graphic activities that we do is that it's just there's no wrong answer. It's a thing. And in most of it is we laugh. Mm. We just laugh. And that really helps. And it doesn't really matter. And it's so hilarious what people can come up with. I mean, we have some very clever people on mm. you know, on our team. And, you know, I don't know. the And and just giving people the allowance, like allowing them to be silly, mm. you know, giving them the, the, the chance is it really helps them loosen up and they will take more risks. Interesting. The other thing that we do is we have a um, an industry, and this is something that you have basically extended. You talked to us about extending it to the entire staff, is that for the writers especially, and we called it the writer's room, and it was really, um, we take a couple of news stories from, you know, industry magazines and, and talk about what they mean and what the implications are. And uh, so we were doing this because my writers don't have tons of industry experience. So the industry experience is really sitting on my shoulders. And in order for them to start being able to have conversations with everybody else, they have to kind of know the basics. And and they are reading the articles, but they don't really know. They don't have the context behind them. Right. Because they haven't had so many, like 15 years of just hanging around conferences mm-hmm. like I have. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, you do really make yourself sound like a loiterer when you say it that way. Yeah, well. Just hanging around out front. I was paying attention, though. Like, I'm I'm loitering, but I'm loitering on purpose. Yes. <laughs> it's loitering on purpose. Loitering with purpose. Yeah. And so even though I may not be interested in what the the talk is about or the speaker, you still pick up things. So much that you get through osmosis. Oh, yeah. And for the last two years, we've had this team that hasn't been able to really go out and do that. And new people that are coming in that don't have that experience in the industry, they can read industry news and they go to webinars and they participate as much as they can. But if you can have that discussion and do some of that sharing of context, it really helps them. So that's all we do is we choose a couple of articles, or I don't, Tiffany usually does, and then we talk about them. See why Tiffany is like, you know, I'm losing her for three weeks. It's all <laughs> Tiffany, Tiffany, Tiffany. Um, her ears are burning probably as I am saying this, but it, it is really useful because people learn a lot just from that discussion. Yeah. Well, yeah, you've got a bunch of people that come in that have a lot of their own experiences and their knowledge and all of that foundation is really useful in them bringing a new perspective into the content and coming up with new ideas and approaching it in different ways. But you have to find ways to combine all of those pieces and to balance it with some of the industry expertise. And it isn't enough to just read the regulations or read about best practices or things like that. You have to understand all the context behind it too. Yeah. And my writers are like, you know, I want to go to a trucking company. I want to go to a trucking company. So I'm trying to get them to go out and so they can get more context. And it's really hard because I'm trying to sort of force feed like all of this background information that I have into their brains like automatically. And it's funny because getting people from the industry, I can't get the writing skills mm-hmm. from the industry. I would be perfect to have someone who had, you know, 
18,000 years in the industry and have all this experience, but they can't write. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. so many of them, so much of the trucking industry is oral tradition that write, the writing part of it is really kind of not, not in their wheelhouse. So I have all these writers who writing, great. Trucking knowledge, not so great. So I'm trying to marry them. <laughs> but at the same time, they do have worldly experience. And yes. so what they bring in that is valuable is they can say, oh, okay, this is new, but it's similar to this other thing that I saw before. Yeah. Or similar to this thing that I've written about that has a different title. Uh, and that ends up making it a little bit easier for them to come up with uh, stories that they can tell that help other people to understand it to sort of fill in the gaps. And that process, which we've talked about here before, that process of people coming in and learning the content is very valuable because you see where the struggles are, the parts that are easy to understand, the parts that are difficult, the parts that don't make sense, or where a lot of the common wisdom contradicts itself. And they're going through that. So when they have to then convert it into something that a driver can go through and get value out of, they've had that experience directly and they can apply that. So it becomes much more useful, much more effective in the end product. Yeah. And we do a lot of reviewing, right? So we're not, you know, it's not just a bunch of people new to the industry who are trying to write all this stuff. I mean, I review it at least three or four times. Um, There's other reviews that are going on. Often we have subject matter experts from the field who are helping with those reviews as well. So, you know, what we end up with, and I'll tell you, one of the things that, and I think I've said this before, one of the things that trip people up is like what things are called. <laughs> so we just had this conversation because we're doing some tanker uh, con- specific content. Which was the second thing I was going to ask you about. Yeah. Is this lead in? Is Am I am I good? Okay. This is a good lead in. So. Um, tanker. Yeah, we're doing. So we've got two tanker courses right now. The FISMA, Food Safety Modernization Act, Food Safety in Delivering. In, with tankers, um, how to do uh, that food safety check and, and those things. And then we are working on a an inspection, a full inspection course. We're also thinking about defensive driving specifically for tankers. And now the question is, do we do a full defensive driving course specifically for tankers or do we do just the handling, like driving with liquid loads and the special mm. things that you need to do? So we're, we're um, that's the call that I, I was, I have to set up this Zoom call and not be there. So we can't answer those questions. We don't know what the industry wants or doesn't want necessarily. So we get some input from other people. Well, there's pros and cons to each. So on the one hand, if you do a full defensive driving that is just for tanker, it'll be easy for tanker people to pick that out and assign it and it will have consistency. But a lot of it isn't really going to be any different. That's not true, though. It's Is all of it different then? Well, so this is what the call is about is, okay, what is different? And so if, and so I have one writer, Anna, who's doing vehicle inspection. I have another writer, Michelle, who's doing um, the defensive driving part of it. So the handling liquid load slash defensive driving. And we're looking at the inspection course and we're thinking, okay, are there other tests that you have to do if you have a tanker? Like, are there some sort of I don't know. Are there tests like we were looking at? We were looking at some documentation that looks like that there's other tests. There's definitely other pieces. So a tanker obviously has different pieces to it. 
but the way that people refer to those pieces, we're not sure is this is consistent. So there's something called an underslung box or something like that. And we're trying to figure out what that is. <laughs> we have an idea of what it might be because nobody like there are no pictures that's, that, that have a diagram that, you know, has an arrow. Yeah, no labels. Yeah. It's just a video of a guy talking who mentions it and points probably to something totally different. Well, but not all tankers are made the same. So is this thing in the same place all the time? Is it a storage box? Okay, do you have it or not have it? Like, and But if you see a tanker, there's a lot of what look like boxes that are closed. So which one of those boxes are which? <laughs> and that that's kind of that's kind of what we've been piecing together. So we have some of the information. We just want to verify it. And some of it is like, what is this? And does everybody need wire cutters? And what would you need wire cutters for? <laughs> because hmm. one of, one of, some of the research that we do is from YouTube videos. Just yeah. just because you know that's what's there. There aren't books on tanker inspections. Nobody has written it down. And when they do write it down, they write it down in like this massive list of points with no pictures at all. (laughs) Just all these words that we don't know what they are. They assume that anybody watching the video knows what those are. Well, these, this is the documentation that doesn't go to the video. The video, yeah, there's a lot of assumptions that people know what things are. And yes, people who don't have their CDLs and don't drive tankers definitely don't know all of this stuff, but other drivers don't know this as well. Yeah. So it's very, I think it's very, um, we're doing a bit of a service to industry is that we're getting all this information and asking all these questions and at least writing down things so that all of the names of the same piece of equipment will be put in one page. Because <laughs> what we do is we find out how people, so maybe an undersung box is, is called that, everywhere in North America. But I will tell you, it probably isn't. And it's probably called something else in Ontario versus Missouri. Yeah. Just because people have a lot of slang that they use. And that's part of the learning curve for my my team is that it's like, oh, this is this. And this is this is this thing as well. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. They're all the same thing, just different names. Everything has 50 names in trucking. So... Yeah, well, one of the uh, the better benefits then is that we finally get all of these things documented. Like the industry is mm-hmm. missing some massive amounts of documentation and you finally get it written down in a centralized place that everybody can see and get that same message. Can we have a tagline that is Carrier's Edge documenting the industry? <laughs> documenting the trucking industry? Yeah. Because that's sometimes what I feel like we do. A vehicle inspection course, man, now we have... One, two, three, four, tanker inspection will be five, six, uh, just like different types of trailers and mm. different regions. So U.S., Canada, Quebec has something different than the rest of Canada. Sure, Alberta probably has a different one as well. Car hauler, yeah, van, flatbed, all of those different trailer types. So we have three trailer types, and if we do tanker, that'll be four. Mm-hmm. So it'll be almost like we need to have a drop down for, I want vehicle inspection. Oh, and straight truck. Yeah. Straight truck is there too. Mm-hmm. And there's tanker straight trucks. So yep. I, <laughs> I'm, you know, every time I want to do a new title, I'm, I'm thinking of all the extended version titles. It's like, uh, you know, you have an album that has additional tracks on it. You know, it's funny. You just gave me an idea because uh, this is a problem that I have on the learning management side is we got to figure out a way to show the content to people 
and not just dump everything on them so it's confusing. And you just gave me the idea that the drop down thing, I almost feel like customers, when they sign up, we need to have like part of the onboarding for the customers, like a drop down of what type of vehicles do you operate and, you know, where do you go? These kind of business things. And then from there, have the system automatically add content that matches that. Because right now they kind of get everything. And that's the whole pitch is that you get everything. We're not going to throttle it based on the size of the company or anything or try and upcharge you for extra content. You have access to all of it. But we're getting to the point where access to all of it is almost like you get flooded with content and you struggle to pick the right things. So which of those 18 different uh, defensive driving courses are really effective for this particular audience? And so this is something that's on my mind quite a lot now as your team keeps cranking out more and more content all the time. We've got to find ways to serve that out to people that provide good usability and are fairly simple for them. So I like that idea. I mean, it would be a wholesale rebuilding of how we uh, tie content into uh, packages that we uh, give to different customers, but it would probably make for a much more effective way of doing it. And then if they change their vehicle types and want access to other content, they should be able to just sort of change their config and automatically get different stuff from there. Or what about if you had, if it wasn't based on the carrier, but it was just based on the course selection? So you, if you're looking for a course that is vehicle inspection, you, there's like some sort of, you start with some sort of drop down or selector that then kind of gives you all of the different vehicle. Well, they can do that now. Or the region as well. Yeah, they can do that now. They can choose a region, uh, subject, uh, vehicle type, trailer type. Uh, but it would be nice if the stuff that you don't need isn't even there. Well, what if you could save the filter? Oh. Well, I think what happens is they will go and find these things that are relevant for them and then they'll add those into a program and then the assignment is done. But it's just, I'm just thinking of ways to simplify, you know, when they go to that sort of master list that give us everything, there's always stuff in there that isn't relevant for some people. And I would like to find ways to simplify that. So this is just a, an idea that I had as you were talking. Hmm. So this is sort of product design brainstorming yes. in the middle of a live podcast. We should probably get back to the actual subject. I don't know. Maybe people like hearing how we come up with ideas. Well, the sad thing is it's not going to get implemented in the next three months. It's going to be six to 12 months, best case. Well, it's still a direction, right? It is a direction. And it is something that we are thinking about. So anytime that you are in there and you're saying, when are they going to make it easier for me to find things? It is something that I'm working on. It's manageable now, but it needs to get better and we're working on it. Yeah, it's funny. When you think of any online software product or even any software product that's old. So I'm thinking about, it just comes to mind Adobe. So when Adobe first started or when I first started using Adobe Photoshop, which was, I think Photoshop was pretty much the only Adobe thing that Mm -hmm. they hadn't bought any of the other stuff. And so Photoshop was its um, its main product. It was totally different. I mean, it was just, it wasn't even close to what you see now. And they went through major overhauls and then they started buying all of these other products like Illustrator and After Effects and all of the, like any sort of art production thing Adobe tried to get so that they had all of these different offerings. And so when I first started using Photoshop, 
if you wanted to put, and I, this is a thing I say all the time, if you wanted to put text on a layer, you really want it. You made sure you want to do it because hmm. that was it. You were just putting it on there. And if it was, if it, you want to put text on that photo, you were, you could have one chance to undo and that was it. Yeah. You couldn't play with it. You couldn't, you couldn't make it hidden or not hidden. You couldn't do anything with it. And now there's like 50,000 things that you can do with it. But the other thing was, is that all of these other products that they bought were almost unusable. <laughs> and I couldn't use any of them. I had no idea what was going on until they started making, like putting them all together and making them look and act the same way. And then it was like, oh, okay, now I understand this tool because I've seen it before. And that's kind of where we are now, where, you know, I hate to say it, but we've been around for a long time. So now we're we're in that process of, okay, we have to modernize this and we have to adapt to this and we have to change that because there's too many things and people don't want to do this and there's too many different types of vehicles. And We're going through major overhauls of many parts of our system. Which is a normal thing. Mm-hmm. I think, I guess that's my point is that it's normal. Yeah, it's just a normal part of continuously evolving your system. It's like what you do with your content library. You've got stuff and you build it and you're happy with it. You put it out there and then two years later you start hating it. (laughs) And so a year or so after that you rebuild it. And you go through this process of you know, we, we've been going through a lot of major overhauls of uh, courses and trying to keep it fresh. And, and part of that is that we've got a lot of customers that have been around for years and years, and they don't want to be putting people through the same stuff every few years. So you do the same defensive driving course. Okay, you do it twice, that's fine. But that third time, it gets pretty stale. Yeah. So you want to start having uh, some new things to go through there. So if we refresh these things and rebuild them every six years or so, you're in pretty good shape. Six to eight years, you're in good shape. So they're not having to do it all the time. It's the same. Uh, And the other part of redoing them is that technology and statistics and basically things change. Oh, absolutely. So distracted driving, um, when I first did it, that was, I think it was around 2015 or 2016. Things are changing. Yeah. Cell phones are changing. Just the amount of distractions that you get are not just from phones, although phones are the major one, but cell phone use is way higher. I mean, it, back in 2015, it was starting to become a problem, but now it's just like yeah epidemic. Yeah. Well, stats change, technology changes, best practices evolve. And I had pictures. I remember when I, not this defensive driving overhaul, but a different one, because that one has been around for a while. It's gone, it's at least gone through two overhauls. I remember taking out pictures of flip phones. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, if we're going to talk about cell phones, and actually, I think we were talking about, I think it was mobile phones, or we were using a term that isn't used anymore. That's another thing is like you have to start talking about things the way that it's because language is evolving, too. It's crazy. Language evolves. Yeah. and And the pictures need to be updated, but also what we can do in terms of the interaction and the course design and all of that stuff changes as well. Yep. So absolutely. We need to keep overhauling these things. Yes. So you're very busy with that. Yes. And I'm also. Yes. And I'm also doing some photos tomorrow. So that'll be. Well, one of the things that has kind of been a product of your creative problem solving uh, activities and evolving how we do things and like all of that stuff that we just talked about uh, is something that's coming next week that we're all very excited about. (laughs) 
what is very much a departure for us, a course that has really nothing to do with regulation. It is about safety, though. It is about safety. Which is... uh, And trekking. Yes. Trekking safety in the zombie apocalypse. Yes. So, uh, hilarious. Uh, So, tell us the story of where this came from and uh, why we are releasing a course about a zombie apocalypse. So... Other than the obvious that it's a fun thing to do at Halloween. Well, yes, there is that. When So my most recent team member, is his name is Rick. And Rick came on and he is a writer. He writes, he writes uh, movie scripts. He does, all, he does work with kids and he has a website that's all about writing with kids. And he, he's like, he's the epitome of a writer. And so when he came, when he came on board and he's, he's actually been working on distracted driving and right now he's doing some auto hauler work. Um, but when he came on board, he wanted to learn our course development system. So the way he taught it to himself was by, or the whole process, it was by our storyboard process and things like that is by writing a course about something. I didn't know what he was doing. And what I eventually found out was that he was writing a, he was writing a story about trucking in the, in a zombie apocalypse. And I thought that was hilarious. And I said, you know, that's great. And, you know, keep on keeping on. And he goes, yeah. And I want to, you know, I want to get some images and I want, you know, Rachel and Bernice to, to be part of it. And I want everybody to be part of it. And I'm like, okay, you, you go, I, I have other things to do. And then I mentioned it to you and you were like, this is a great idea. We should do it for Halloween. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. And this was a couple of months ago. So I went back to Rick and said, or I told the team, okay, Mark wants to do this for Halloween. So let's get this course done. And I had hired a couple more graphic designers. So they started helping with the template and the different buttons and things like that. And so a whole bunch of people have been part of it. And the story is quite hilarious because it's about doing a doing a run <laughs> and, and and how to protect yourself from the zombies. That's awesome. <laughs> the zombies are the zombies are so cute. There's some value here for us in that it gave your team a little bit of freedom to explore some different things, mm-hmm. to practice, try some things that you wouldn't necessarily try in a normal course, but may teach us something that we can use later on. So it's yes. a little bit of a kind of a research project and it's a, a fun thing to do for Halloween. But yes, people should not be assigning it to their drivers as a required course and making them complete it before they can do a run or anything crazy like that. No, it's it's a fun, like there is no, it's trucking. It's definitely trucking, uh, but it follows, like it's just a silly story. There's no underlying message of, you know, <laughs> get your vaccinations or anything like that. <laughs> It's just silly. And so we were hoping that it could be something that, you know, you still have to assign it to drivers, but you're not doing it because, you know, for anything, but this might be fun. It's maybe an optional thing. And it, yeah, it's probably going to have like maybe 50 people that take the course. Maybe, but you know, we're doing a lot of social media around it. And even that's fun. Yeah. And I think, I think people just need some fun. Well, we have always said that training should not be drudgery. It should not be this chore, this punishment that people get dumped into because they made a mistake of looking the wrong way, Mm -hmm. which is how it's been in trucking forever. 
So we have been trying to create content that doesn't talk down to drivers, that treats them like professionals, that helps them to do their job better, and is at least not a miserable experience. At best, it's enjoyable. And this sort of fits along those lines where, you know what, something like this can be kind of enjoyable. Don't dump it on people along with 50 other courses so they're just stressed about getting it done. But it's just something light to think about. Yeah, it's just fun. And it kind of... I got a message from our voiceover guy, Craig, who, who's who been working with us for years. I don't even know. It must be like 10 years. Yeah, probably. And and he sent me. And so I, and I said, we have this zombie apocalypse script. So can you do that in the next, you know, whatever? And he's like, yeah, yeah, send it on. So I sent it. And it's not very long. It's like 10 pages. It's really short. There's no test. It's it's. It's silly. And um, I get this message back from me and goes, you seriously expect me to read this? I can't stop laughing. And it was like, yes. Good. So, yeah, it's been even if no one, no customer takes it and no one likes it and it's just universally, you know, ignored. doesn't matter because for for Rick, for everybody who worked on it, for um, the new graphic designers, for Craig, it's been like it's been an experience that we can just laugh at and we'll have it for next year. And so maybe. Oh, it's going to become an, yeah, an annual thing that there's an update, some new training course related to Halloween. And we were also talking about having one for April Fool's Day. That may be rough. One every six months. Like there is a limit to how much fun we can have at the expense of doing the safety courses that customers actually ask for. So we do have to balance those. But if you have if you have team members who work on something that's a little bit lighter for Halloween, there's not as much stress. They're not so worried about making sure the content is accurate. They don't have those issues because it's all ridiculous content. Uh, then you can focus on the creativity and the writing and also everybody working together as a team. So it's a bit of a team building exercise when you've got new people that come in. It's something that people enjoy doing. So they get energized and they take that to their other work. So it has a lot of benefits, even if not a lot of people end up taking it. Hopefully a few people will. I mean, I know everybody on staff is waiting for this thing to be finished. They're all eager. And I know we've definitely got some partners and some customers that are eagerly, eagerly awaiting it. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And I, you know, one of the things that we like to do is have fun, <laughs> you know, because yeah. it is, you know, if you just talk about trucking safety, as much as interesting as it is, like, it's got to have fun. Yeah. And we don't, you know, have football, like we're not a big sports organization. So all that stuff that trucking companies do around NASCAR and football and all of that stuff, we don't really do. So this is what we do. This is our nerd version. We are very nerdy. Yeah. And talk about all the different series that we watch. (laughs) Also something we do. Yeah. Okay. And so the last thing that I want to just touch on very briefly uh, for uh, a couple of minutes is just to have a quick update on Best Fleets to Drive For program, where we're at with that. So we are a little more than halfway through the nomination period. I think when I looked yesterday, it was like 127 or something like that nominated fleets. So they're coming in pretty steadily the way we like to see. And uh, as I mentioned off the top, we're going to be doing a webinar with TCA, which will be of no real use to people listening to this because by the time this comes out, the webinar will have passed already. They'll probably be able to see a recording. If you're a TCA member, then you can get the recording. Yes. Uh, So we're going to be talking about sort of the basics of how the program works and how to get the most out of it. And we've got a couple of fleets that are participating, uh, Herb Group and Leonard's Express, both of whom have been in the program for several years. Well, yeah. Several. Yeah. um, 
and have been on the list, have been fleets to watch, and have also gone through the process and not made the list. So that's why I picked them, because they, they can talk about what it's like to go through the process and how it isn't just about winning, that there's all these other things that they get out of it. But they are also going to talk about the process they go through at each stage to prep for it, which I have been uh, very interested in getting more of that perspective out there into different webinars and stories and things like that. So I think that's uh, it's going to be a good, uh, a good hour. And even though they're both large companies, they're not huge companies, but they're larger. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the grand scheme of the U.S., they're, you know, Herb and, and Lenders Express have... Mid-size, they would call themselves. I would call them big. I think that what what is important is that you can take what they do and you can kind of adjust it for whatever size of fleet you are. So they're going to talk about having teams of people, but it doesn't have to be a huge team. It can just, Mm -hmm. you can have a small team or, you know, or how much time you're doing with this or how you do this. I think one of the things that I'd like to do is make sure that we talk about how you can scale down or scale up. Mm-hmm. from what they do, because we've heard a lot about how people prep for these things and it's definitely scalable. Excellent. Well, I think I'm going to take this opportunity then to wrap us up for this episode so that we can go and get ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> for the Mountain of Afternoon meetings yeah. uh, that also include that webinar. So thanks everybody for listening and have a great day. Bye.